Thank you, Rob. Back in 1971, my, uh, my speech and communications professor told us that when you're going to speak in front of people, you should be able to say everything you want to say in five minutes, no matter how long it is. So I want to say what I'm going to say, and then I'll flesh it out. Jesus wants us to be in community. He wants to restore community. Community has been eroded over the past years, and we're going to look today at how it's been taken. We're going to look at how to restore it. And uh, it is Jesus' plan. It's not ours. It's his. So if you would please read with me on the screen. It helps us to say it out loud together. So say this with me. I pray that out of his glorious riches, the Father may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's Paul. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, whenever I don't know what to pray for people, I pray that prayer. Uh, I go to chapter 1 and I pray that prayer that God will bless people because I don't know what's going on in your lives. He does. So I can pray those prayers. I want to read something to you. I tried to memorize it, but I'm old. 200 years ago, families might gather together after an evening meal and be entertained together. Usually it was one of the family members reading aloud, whether poetry or prose, the family experienced something together. The father's voice, the mother's lap, the warming fire, and the gathered children all spoke one thing, a community of love. A little over a hundred years later, the presence of radio networks made family time something different. The makeup of the home was the same, but the entertainment came from outside the home. Still there existed the sense of community. They were listening together, and each one pictured in their own mind how the singers or the readers or the actors looked in reality. Each of them had their own version of what the mysterious old mansion looked like, and would sometimes share the pictures in their own minds with each other, effectively expanding what the other family members pictured. Then in the 1950s, things took a dramatic turn. The television came into our homes. We were no longer left to imagine how a singer looked. It was on the screen. We no longer had to imagine the actor or the spooky mansion. In fact, we could no longer imagine those things because a set designer, a lighting director, and a film director made each of those decisions for us. Television is a marvelous invention, but it began a process, first in America and then worldwide, of breaking community. First the family community, then the neighborhood community. So is is TV, TV bad? No. But what the writer is suggesting is that TV brought something into our homes that changed the dynamic of community in the home. And I was glad to hear Jane share about the the translation app on the phones because I want to emphasize, I don't think TVs are are bad. I don't think that personal devices are evil, but I think that we can abuse them. And in return, they are glad to abuse us. So it's nice to know that people are using these devices wisely. Jesus talks about the thief, the liar, the destroyer, referring to Satan in John 10.10. The thief comes only to kill or to steal, kill, and destroy. 
I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So we have this standard. Notice that Jesus says he came to give life to the full. So what's taken, Jesus intends to restore. That's his plan. Not, again, not our plan. It's his plan. In John, 1 John 3.8, we're told the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It's not hopeless. What we've lost in community, we can regain. And we're going to look today at how to regain community. Uh, the Greek word translated steal in that verse is the root word klepto. We get our word kleptomaniac from that word. Satan can't help himself. He's a kleptomaniac. He is going to steal. That's what he does. He is going to lie. That's what he does. He is going to try to destroy. That's what he does. That's his very nature as a fallen being. So that's part of the issue. Now, it's also akin to uh, shoplifting. Anyone here ever worked in retail? They called it shrinkage because shoplifters would come in and take things and you didn't realize they were gone. Well, that's the nature of this word klepto. It has to do with taking something you don't notice right away. A kleptomaniac takes something, but they don't walk out of the store with a canoe under their arm because you probably notice that, but they might steal something small, a keychain, uh, a knife, something that they can grab and put in their pocket. That's the nature of the klepto. Satan is going to come and take things we're not going to notice right away. But we will lack them. They'll be gone. And they're things God intends for us. Many of these things are things God intends for us. Community is one of them. And Satan does not want community. He doesn't want that because community is very, very, very important to the growth of the church. So again, it's not that devices are intrinsically evil, but we have to watch how we use them. Are we opening a door when we turn the television on? We're opening a door for information, but we are, are we opening a door to a shoplifter, to the kleptomaniac who's going to come and steal some joy? I, I stopped watching a lot of the news channels. I get the news, but I don't listen now. I read it. I don't listen to the news reporters because then they, they give a report and then two people come in and yell at each other. I get kind of worked up, it kind of steals my peace. So I wish to be informed, but I wish to be left intact afterwards. I don't want Satan to, to come in and shoplift joy from me or implant worry or erode God's, the trust I have in God. Uh, same thing with almost anything we do. Uh, I have um, something here. Well, let me, let me read this first. Um, <clears throat> this is on the screen. Be sober, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, walks boldly as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What's the distinction between a roaring lion? Why does he say roaring lion? Do you know? The roaring lion's not the one that eats you or kills you. The roaring lion is the one who frightens you. The way lions hunt is the males who have very loud roars stand here, the herd is here, they roar here in order to drive the herd that way, and as the herd runs, then the capturing lions get them. And they get the ones that are weak. The devil's a roaring lion. Here's the thing. If those gazelle or zebra said, you know what, we're stronger in community. We're not going to heed that roaring lion. He's not the one that's going to eat us. 
and they stood in community, the lions don't, wouldn't bother them because they put their strongest on the, on the perimeter. And the lions won't try to attack in that grouping. But if, but if they can get the herd frightened and scattered, then the weak become vulnerable. Your devil, or the, the, the devil, walks boldly as a roaring lion. He wants to consume. And the, the method is to frighten and separate us. And God's goal is to keep us together. So let me read this to you. Um, <clears throat> there's something new born of social media, a new way of relating to others that actually robs people of community while promising better community. Social media provides a sense of connectedness that is actually not connected in real time. People will now post on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, or Facebook to express themselves. But here's the deceptive aspect. We receive mild endorphin increases each time we're validated on social media. In reality, it becomes physically addictive. Someone likes a post or says something encouraging. While this seems innocent and good, it too often becomes a replacement for real community. And this is, a, again, one of those things that they can measure and prove. And I know people who rise and fall on whether someone likes their post on Facebook. I, I've had messages from people saying, that's it, I'm done. I, I type back in the email or the message, what happened? I posted on Facebook and someone said it was stupid. And I'll type back, was it stupid? Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't let the opinions of others rule your life. We, we seek things. We seek validation from people. Every human being seeks validation. It's just what we do. Every human being seeks vindication. Well, validation, those in my Sunday school class have heard this before, but everyone who seeks validation tends to seek it from men. Seek it not from men, but from God. Open your Bible. If God says what you're doing is right, then do it. If men say it's bad and God says it's good, then ignore men. Do what God calls you to do. And I've had people criticize uh, the church, this church, other churches, other preachers, for standing on the word of God. Well, you know what? The apostles, the apostle Paul, the apostle Peter, James, they'll all be vindicated someday. But note this, Jesus himself has not yet been vindicated. He's been raised from the dead, but at a future point in time, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Even his vindication doesn't come till later. So we can't look for it now, but we can look for validation from God. Are we standing on the word of God? Again, call Paul what you want, call Peter what you want. They're going to be vindicated someday, and every word they wrote is going to be proven true. Note that. Stand on the word of God. It's very important. So, um, <clears throat> about 10 years ago, I want to speak to Lockwood now. About 10 years ago, we averaged about 400 in attendance here at Lockwood. We had moved into this building. We moved in in uh, 20, uh, 2007, I believe. And uh, we averaged about 400 people on Sunday. Out of that number, about 130 people were involved in Sunday school and small groups. Uh, I know that because the elders tracked these things. We wanted to get people involved in more in the church. Today, our number, uh, average number has gone to 430 but even fewer people are involved in Sunday school and small groups. We now only have about 100 people 
adults, I should say, to be specific, adults involved in Sunday school or small groups. Community is breaking down. And everyone has reasons, but community is breaking down. And I believe it's Satan who is stealing it from us. And I believe the Bible teaches us it's Jesus that wants to restore it. So let's look again. <clears throat> excuse me. Let's look again at, at uh, Ephesians 3.17. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with. Imagine trying to lift 275 pounds by yourself. Chris Hoop isn't here, so I think we can. Imagine trying to lift 275 pounds by yourself. Imagine not just trying to lift it, but trying to lift it from the ground up to the bed of a truck. Now, imagine having friends to help you do that. Together. Together with. This word together with is very important in that the with has to do with, excuse the uh, redundancy, doing it with somebody else. I can't sing a duet by myself. I can sing a duet with someone else. The choir can't sing. One person is not a choir. A group is a choir. Together, together, you have soprano, alto, tenor, bass, together. That's the nature of experiencing Christ. It's a together event. It's not a solo event. You cannot do it alone. I promise you, the word of God promises you, you cannot do it alone. It's a community thing. We need to be in community. Um, the next slide. Oh, the other next slide. Thank you. May have power together with all the saints to grasp. Not only can you not perceive it, you can't lay hold of it without community. We need each other to lay hold of it. As Jane shared testimonies this morning, we laid hold of how Christ worked in other people's lives. That's the nature of this. Hearing, talking, praying with other people, we become connected, and that causes community. And whatever social media promises, it does not deliver on. Facebook is not true community. I, I, I knew a woman who was struggling, and she wanted to talk to somebody and she said, well, my best friend in the entire world lives in Spain. I said, when did she move to Spain? Oh, she's always lived in Spain. Have you ever met her? No. How, did you, how, how, how is she your best friend ever? We met on, it was a social media site. Her best friend ever. This best friend ever had never laid eyes on this woman in person, had never, ever seen her husband or her home or her children, but they're best friends. No, they're pen pals. Friends are people who know your voice. You call and you say, you know, Phil? And Phil hears something in your voice because he knows your voice. Or you say, Phil, what's wrong? They, that's community. Knowing, sharing, having that, that life of Christ at work in us. Not only is this an aspect of grasping this love, I think it's in the next slide. Oh, I forgot this part. Without fellow believers, can you grasp and hold on to all the dimensions of Christ's love? No, you can't. It's not possible. You just can't do it. So to know this love that surpasses knowledge, this has to do not with head knowledge. Paul is juxtaposing head knowledge with heart knowledge. 
you know this love that surpasses knowledge. You can spend hours and hours in the Word of God and not know that love. You can have information in your head, but until you are in community with other believers, you can't know that love inside your heart. You must hear and, and live life with other Christians in order to have that community. If you don't have that, you don't know the love of Christ. You can know about it. I'm never impressed with someone who tells me, I spend three to four hours studying the Bible a week. I always tend to ask, what are you learning about Jesus? What are you learning about loving others? How is that connecting you to other people? Because that is what we need. And look at the, look at the result. That you may be filled to the measure of the, all the fullness of God. That's a here and now thing. Glorification, we have three aspects of our, of our salvation. Justification, which Jesus did on his cross. Sanctification, which is this middle area that we're in right now. And then glorification, which will have nothing to do with us, but will have everything to do with what God does for us and in us. He will make us like Christ. But in the sanctification time, this is one of God's goals, that you put your name in there, that I, Drenda, that I, Rosie, whatever your name is, fill it in, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That happens by being in community, together with other, grasping the love of God, grasping the love of Christ, knowing how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It only can happen in community. There is no other way. There's no other way. No amount of study will get you there. But fellowship will, healthy fellowship will. So it's important that we, we have fellowship with each other. It's important that we do fellowship around Christ and around the world. The word, feeding each other the truth, experiencing the truth. If Ed describes something that Jesus did for him, I get to hear something he didn't do for me, but that he did for one of his other beloved. That's important, very important, because we can't take him in by ourselves. But together we can. So here are some steps. I don't know if we're at this slide or not. I'll, I'll just guess that we are almost there. I went past that already because I prattled on and on. And past that one I did. And I did that one. I have a better memory than I thought. <laughs> steps to renew, renew community. Number one, spend quality time with family. Don't, this is tragic. I had a young lady come to me, and she was talking about her home life. She's a teenager. And she said, I, I don't know what to do. Can you talk to my mom? Well, her mom doesn't come to this church. I, I, I have no avenue. But she said, when, we get home, when I get home from school and my mom gets home from work, she fixes dinner, and then she sits on her phone the rest of the evening. My brothers watch TV. And I just have to chase after them, and she just sits on her phone. And she's, whatever she's doing, on the internet or whatever, but she, she isolates herself, and she isolates her. Her boys are entertained by this, and she does this. That's, that's not quality time. Even, frankly, watching a TV show together, if you don't talk about it together, if you don't experience it in some way, that's not quality time. Quality time is maybe playing a board game or watching something and talking about it, or listening to music and talking about it. It's an old-fashioned ideal. It, it, it really is. But it's not outdated. It's out of fashion. 
And Satan likes to tell us things are outdated that are merely out of fashion because we've let go of them. Let's not let go of the things that God has for us. So spend quality time with family. Number two, spend an evening with other believers. Invite, be involved with other believers. Have them over to your home, go out to dinner with them, be connected with other believers. And, and yeah, I think we did that, wow, was that back in April? Yeah, yeah, so we do it a few times a year. It's like, well, it's October and you did it in April. I wouldn't, I don't think a few times describes it. Try to be in community with people and spend that time. Three, stay for a Sunday school class. Again, out of the 400 and some people that show up here on Sunday morning, we only have about 100 adults going to Sunday school class. It's community. We, my class meets in here. We pray for each other. We talk. People share their testimonies. They share what happens. Uh, Marv Robertson has a Sunday school class on the opposite side of the building, in the room behind the office. Hal has a class downstairs. Shane has a class downstairs. I don't know who's teaching that today. Don Bod has a class. There are places to stay and to meet. And you know, if you don't like what I'm saying in this class, and you get up and walk out, that'll be a normal Sunday for me. <laughs> so I, I haven't crumbled yet because people get up and walk out. So try, but try to be part of a community. Work on that. Uh, four, join a small group. We have small groups in this church. Uh, uh, Kevin Looper is the elder in charge of small groups, and we would be willing to start groups if, if we need to in order to get people in community with each other so that Jesus can go to work building in you, filling you to all the fullness of the measure of God so that you can have what God wants for you because you cannot do it alone. We need to do it in community. So reclaim that inheritance. This is our inheritance. Reclaim it. Jesus is supplying everything you require to know this love, but you can't do it alone. So be sure you're in community. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the hope that you've given us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you've designed an inheritance. But Lord, open our eyes. Help us to be alert. Help us to know that we have an enemy who wants to take things away from us that you've given us. But help us to also trust you that you've come to destroy his works. You've come to give life and give it to the full. You are a restorer. You're a restorer of relationships. You're a restorer of health. You're a restorer of hope. And we, Lord, want to put our hope in you. We give ourselves to you. Amen. Rob Kunkel is going to come forward. We're going to pray again for the people uh, who are going on the missions trip. And while they're doing that, the, the choral group is going to come forward. And instead of singing a closing hymn, and a benediction. The choir is going to sing for us our benediction this morning, and then we will be dismissed. Good morning, everybody.